0: Good day all, welcome to another episode of Learning Bible Truth Ministries. I am the founder, host, and teacher, your one and only Dr. Kamala D. here to teach you Bible truth, not my truth, Bible truth. Bible truth allows you to grow in faith and walk in God's amazing grace. Here we rightly divide scriptures that contain the true and living God's word. Remember to pray and ask God for understanding. Put your learning hats on. Get your Bibles. Invite family and friends. Take notes. And let's learn Bible truth. Good morning, Saints. Today is Saturday, December the 2nd of the year, 2023. I am the host, founder, and teacher of Learning Bible Truth Ministries, your one and only Dr. Kamala D. Now, today is a little gloomy, it's raining outside, but in any event, this is the day that the Lord has made and I will rejoice in it anyway. Hallelujah. Praise God. But I hope that this day is finding you and your family well, in good health and in good weather. (laughs) Now, we have just reached episode four of this, now I can confirm, five part series entitled the importance of faith. Now, episode four, we will talk about the just shall live by faith. My, 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 the just shall live by faith. Now, because this episode I feel is the most important part, I will be using multiple translations throughout this episode. As I had in previous episodes, but even more this time, because I want you to get this. The just shall live by faith. And I want to take this time to thank each and every one of you for listening to this series, because I tell you, I get the stats every week from Spotify. And I tell you, I I truly appreciate you. To God be all the glory. This is His ministry. He leads me and guides me on what he wants me to share because he know who is going to be listening to my podcast and he know exactly what he wants you to hear. And I will tell you this, my brothers and sisters who are also teachers in the body of Christ, I never know what they will be teaching, but apparently we are being led by the same spirit because I turned on a couple of episodes by some of my favorite teachers in the body of Christ and they teaching about faith as well. The importance of faith. They have different titles for their series. I think theirs is lasting a little bit longer than five episodes, but I am here to tell you, you are receiving a lot of information in just these five episodes. Uh, like I mentioned before, this is episode number four. I will be using multiple translations, starting off with the New King James Version. And for our opening scripture, I want you to go to Habakkuk or either Habakkuk, chapter two, and you know the routine. You can pause the tape while you look for Habakkuk. I will commence the reading. When you find Habakkuk, you can press play and we will be on the same page because of modern technology, okay? I'm starting off with the New King James Version, uh, Habakkuk chapter 2, and beginning at verse 2. Then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. Now I want you to go to Romans, Romans chapter one. I will be reading verses 16 and 17, Romans chapter one, beginning at verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Verse 17, for in it, in what, the gospel of Christ, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. My, my, hallelujah. Go to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10. I will be reading verses 35 through 39, and I am reading from the New King James Version. However, I will share three more or either two more versions of Hebrews chapter 10 verses 35 through 39 for a reason I will explain after I communicate these scriptures to you. Beginning at verse 35, Hebrews chapter 10. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward for you have need of endurance or patience so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise for yet a little while and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Verse 38. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to per- to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Now, let me read Hebrews ten thirty-five through 39 in the New Living Translation. The New Living says, so do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. Verses 37 and 38 says, for in just a little while, the coming one will come and not delay. And my righteous ones will live by faith, but I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. In verse 39, but we are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. We are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. The Amplified of Hebrews ten thirty five thirty nine 39 says this, Do not, therefore, fling away your fearless confidence, for it has a glorious and great reward. For you have need of patient endurance to bear up under difficult circumstances without compromising, so that when you have carried out the will of God, you may receive and enjoy to the full what is promised. Verse 37 and 38 says, For yet in a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one, the one justified by faith, shall live by faith, respecting man's relationship to God and trusting him. And if he draws back, shrinking in fear, my soul has no delight in him. But our way is not that of those who shrink back to destruction, but we are of those who believe, relying on God through faith in Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And by this confident faith, preserve the soul. Mm. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Now, the Bible says by the mouth of two or three witnesses, I just read three witnesses, three different scriptures regarding the just shall live by faith. It says by the mouth of three or two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So that's the reason I read multiple scriptures regarding the just shall live by faith. So that no one can deceive you. You just heard three different scriptures. Now, since the just shall live by faith, we need to know and confirm who the just are. The word just here is the word justified, which means to be declared righteous in the sight of God in Christ Jesus and to be set aside by God and for God in Christ Jesus. In other words, God moves a willing person from the state of sin, which is injustice, to a state of grace, which is justice and righteousness. Now, since we have established who the just are, let's read about what it means to be justified and how the justified shall live. So now I want you to go to Romans, Romans chapter 4. I will be reading verses five through eight. And this is the new King James version beginning at verse five. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Now, verse five in the new living says this, but people are counted as righteous, not because of their work but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. Now back to the New King James Version, reading verse 6 says, just as King David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. Verse 7 and 8 says, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Now, what are these scriptures talking about? We can't work to be saved. There's nothing you can do to save yourself. Only Christ can save you through his blood that he shed on Calvin's cross. Now, we are declared righteous in the sight of God by faith in the finished works of Christ. The blood that he shed on the cross our sins. We must receive this by faith. We must live this by faith. Now, what I am about to say is going to sound harsh, but you need to hang in there with me. Come on now, stay in there with me. I don't care how many people you have killed or how many rapes you have committed, how many robberies you have successfully got away with, how many children you have molested. You can come to Christ in faith, repent of those sins, and have all of those sins forgiven through the blood of Jesus. Christ paid for your sins on the cross. It is your faith that declares you righteous in the sight of God, not your works. Christ died for us while we were still sinners. He didn't wait until we confessed those. He died for us While we were still sinners, we must believe and live this by faith, and we will never be condemned, judged, or go to hell for any of the sins that I just named that we committed in the past, present, or future. Now, I can back up everything I just said through scripture. Go to Romans chapter 8. I'll be reading verses 1 through 4. This is the New Living Translation, and it says, So now there is no condemnation, which means judgment for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Verse two says, and because you belong to him, the power of the life giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. My Lord, hallelujah. I don't know about you, but chills are going through my body just reading this. And finally, verse four says, He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. Now, the wages of sin is death. God loved us so much that he sacrificed his only son so that the law would remain righteous because the law required death for sins. And so that the law, which is holy, could remain holy. God had to satisfy the law by sending a sacrifice for our sins because we couldn't do it. God would not have had any man left on this planet if he hadn't come up with a redemption plan for his people. So if Christ didn't die for your sins, you would have to pay the price yourself, which is death. Now, we have to believe this by faith. Do not walk around feeling condemned when you miss the mark. That's what sin is. It's called missing the mark, or if you stumble every now and then. Don't condemn yourself. Once you accept Christ as Lord and Savior, you are sealed unto the day of redemption. You can't be saved and lost. You must receive this in your heart by faith, walk in this faith, and live by this faith. Now, there is this age old argument in the body of Christ that a person can be saved and lost. But there is not one scripture in the Bible that shows you or tells you that once a person is saved, I mean, born again, really accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, that they were ever thrown out of the body of Christ. There's no scripture that supports that. So once you are saved, you are saved until the day of redemption and you are sealed with the seal of the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. You can never be lost. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Okay. Now I want you to go to Romans chapter five. I'll be reading verses eight and nine. This is the new King James version. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, he didn't wait until we repented of our sins. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Verse nine says, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath, from the condemnation that's coming, from the great tribulation that's coming. We shall be saved from wrath, through him, him who Jesus, we must live, believe, and receive this by faith. Now being justified by the blood of Jesus is not a license to keep sinning. Let me get that out the way. Now I don't want anyone to be confused or misunderstand what I just said. Christ did not die so we could live a life of sin. He died and paid the price for our sins so we can live free from sin. However, Since we are in this flesh, we have not received our new bodies yet, which is why the Bible also says that while we are being saved, that's because our spirit man is born again and will never go to hell, but our flesh is dying daily. Okay, that is what our fight is with. And I don't want to jump ahead of myself because I have a lot of scriptures inside my spirit that's trying to come out and I'm trying to keep it in order. Okay. Now we will stumble every now and then because of this flesh, but God has provisions in place so that when we do miss the mark, he has these provisions in place so that he can help us go to first John, uh first John chapter one, and I'll be reading verses five through 10. This is the new living translation. First John one, five through 10, beginning at verse five, it says, this is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son cleanses us from all sin. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness unrighteousness and sin. And verse 10 says, if we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. Now I want you to zero in on first John chapter one verse nine. But if we confess our sins, this is not for salvation. This is after salvation. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness, unrighteousness, or sin. Because we are in this flesh, we will stumble every now and then, which is why I am going to tell you how the just can live by faith and live holy. Because living holy is part of the justified living by faith. Now as born again believers, We should be confessing and repenting of our sins daily. Oh yes, every day. All unrighteousness is sin. No one is above sinning. Anything that is not of faith is sin. You can read Romans chapter 14, verse 23. Anything that is not of faith is sin. But God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins if we confess them and turn away from them. And he will cleanse us from those sins. That is a promise from God. We must receive that by faith. We must live that by faith. We have to receive this by faith, saints, and live in this by faith. I can never say this enough because remember, the name of this episode is The Just Shall Live By Faith. So I want you to remember that God died for us while we were still sinners. If any of us were perfect and could have atoned for our sins he would not have had to send his son to die for us. So God loves us just that much. Now I want you to go to Romans chapter eight. I'll be reading verses 29 and 30. And this is the new King James version. It says, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Now, I have an opportunity to correct false teaching here and finally confirm who the justified are and move on to how we live by faith. Now, first, let's look at verse 29 and 30 in the New Living Translation. I want you to get a good understanding of what these scriptures are saying versus what false teachers are telling you it is saying, okay? Verse 29 in the New Living Translation of Romans uh, chapter 8, for God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his Son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And verse 30 says, and having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. Now, let's read Romans eight twenty nine thirty 29, 30 in the Amplified. Okay, it says, for those whom he foreknew and loved and chose beforehand, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son and ultimately share in his complete sanctification so that he would be the firstborn, talking about Jesus, he would be the firstborn, the most beloved and honored among many believers. And verse 30 says, and those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified, declared free of the guilt of sin. And those whom he justified, he also glorified, raising them to a heavenly dignity. Hallelujah. Now, first, let me explain what foreknew means. Okay. Let's look at verse 29 again, for whom he foreknew or knew in advance is not talking about God having already chosen certain people to be saved. Let's get that. Let's get that out the way. Let's make that clear. If this was true, why are we called to preach the gospel? Okay. I want you to think about that while, while I continue. Now, this verse is saying that an all knowing God, please hear me saints. And all knowing God knew in advance that those who hear the gospel with an open heart will receive Christ. And those who hear the gospel with a closed mind and heart will reject Christ. Now, those who foreknew he chose and he called to be in the image of his son, Jesus. That's those he foreknew, not those he just I'm going to just choose these people, they're going to be saved, and that's it. He knew in advance those who would receive Jesus after they heard the gospel because he is an all knowing God. Now, because God is all knowing, he knew in advance that he would call these believers to be conformed to the image of his son Jesus. He also foreknew that he would justify those who believe in Christ. Now, false teachers would have you to believe that god already chose a certain number or amount of people to be saved that's not what these scriptures are saying saints it's saying that an all-knowing god because he knows everything before it happens knew in advance who would receive jesus once they heard the gospel it's not him saying that he he already chose these people to be saved and that's it that's not what these scriptures are saying Now, some religions and denominations will tell you that only 140,000 people will be saved. Oh yes, silence because I want you to ponder on that. They came to that conclusion by misunderstanding these scriptures that I just read. Now, number one, you never see a number mentioned. No, you won't see not one number mentioned. Therefore, they misinterpret what God is saying and misleading millions of people. Now if only 140,000 people are going to be saved then explain these next scriptures. Okay, so apparently they missed these these next scriptures. Go to Mark chapter 16, I'll be reading verses 15 and 16. And this is Jesus talking. This is the amplified version. It says, and he said to them, Jesus, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Now, if he have already just chosen the ones that's going to be saved, now if God has already chosen them, and if it's only going to be 140,000, why is Jesus saying go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation? Why preach to all creation? Because it is what I said these scriptures mean, that God already knew in advance that those who hear the gospel, he already know which ones, are going to receive Christ. He's not choosing them. He just know that they are going to choose Christ. Okay, now verse 16 of of Mark 16 amplified says, "He who has believed in me and has been baptized will be saved." Ain't no number attached. He didn't say the 140,000 that believe in me and baptized will be saved. That's not what what these scriptures are saying. Now this is the amplified which amplifies the words. But he says, he who has believed in me and has been baptized will be saved from the penalty of God's wrath and judgment. But he who has not believed will be condemned. You will be judged. Now explain second Peter chapter three, verses eight and nine. Okay. This is the ESV. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. In verse nine, my Lord, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you. Please hear this. Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. The latter part of verse nine, but that all should reach repentance. So if God already chose a certain amount of people to be saved, he already chose them. He just handpicked them. Why are we being told this? They have to hear the gospel saints. God is not slow to return to get his church. He is taking his precious time because he doesn't want anyone to perish. Can you, can you understand what these scriptures are saying now? If you haven't already, we, we, Are living in the dispensation of grace, God wants everyone, no matter their ethnicity, no matter the color of their skin, no matter how many sins they have committed, to hear the gospel and choose to accept his son Jesus and be saved. There are billions of people on this planet. Why would a loving God who would put these in the Holy scriptures that it is not his will that any man should be, should perish. Why would he only choose 140,000 people to be saved from the rap that's coming? Because he wants everybody to be saved, but he is not going to go outside of his redemption plan. We can't be that ignorant saints. It is not God's wish that anyone go to hell. Hell was created for the devil and his angels. But because of sin, Satan is going to have plenty of company. Uh-huh, because the wages of sin is death, and those who continue to sin and leave this earth without repenting, without accepting Christ for the forgiveness of sins will join Satan when their life ends here. And also explain Romans chapter ten verses nine through fifteen. Since God chose a, a hundred and forty thousand people in a certain amount of people and he himself picked those people to be saved. Honey, we might as well live it up now. So so let's read Romans chapter 10 verses 9 through 15. This is still the ESV. I just didn't feel like switching. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified. And with the mouth one confesses, And is saved. Verse 11 says, for the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Verse 12 says, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. Greek or anyone who is not a Jew. Everyone who is not a Jew is a Greek. That's me. For the same Lord is Lord of all. Bestowing his riches on all who call on him. Mm Mm-hmm bestowing his riches on all who call on him. Verse 13 says for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now I don't need to go no further, but in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let it, every word be established. I, we already on uh, witness number three and verse 14 says, how then will they call on him whom they have not believed? This is why we have to preach the gospel. Because verse 14 of Romans 10 says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? My Lord, my Lord, this is why we have to preach the gospel. Because those who have never heard of Jesus, that they can be saved from the wrath to come through his precious blood that he shed on Calvary's cross. He shed that blood for our sins so that we can be saved. Anyone who comes to him and call upon the name of the Lord, anyone who hears the gospel and receive Christ as Lord and Savior will be saved. So explain these scriptures. I want you yourself to correct these false teachers. How can just 140,000 people be saved when anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord Shall be saved, and we have billions of people on this planet. Now, verse 15 says, And how are they to preach unless they are sent? I know I'm called. Oh, yes, if you knew my past and knew and and, and know me today, and you see the transformation, I'm definitely born again. Hallelujah. Praise God to God be all the glory. And uh the latter part of verse 15, Romans 10 says, As as it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel, the good news. Hallelujah. Now, my question to you is, if only 140,000 people are going to be saved, why are hundreds of millions of people already saved? I'll look, I'll wait. Send your questions in the Q&A. Send me an email. I will answer any question you may have for me. And why is God still sending his ministers throughout the world to preach the gospel to those who who have yet to hear it today? Why is God still sending us to preach? Because there are millions of people who are seeking the true and living God and need to hear the gospel of salvation so God can add them to the body of Christ. That's why we are still preaching. Explain Acts chapter 2 verses 38 through 41. This is still the ESV. And it says, And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Oh, but listen to verse 39 for the promise, what promise? The gift of the Holy Spirit, salvation free through the blood of Jesus. That's the promise is for you and for your children. And listen to this. And for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord, our God calls to himself, my Lord, God, he, God is calling you through the gospel. He is calling you through the gospel. Um, Romans, the new living translation, uh, chapter eight, verse 27 says, for he who searches the hearts knows the mind of the spirit. Because the spirit interferes for the for God's people in accordance with the will of God. My Lord, that's Roman 827. So and I, I, I quoted that scripture so that you won't misunderstand Acts 239 for the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. God is calling people to himself through the gospel. But Romans 8, 27 is telling us how he is doing it. He's not just choosing you. He's searching the heart with, he's searching the heart by the spirit. The Holy Spirit searches every one heart who claim to want to know God, to see if your heart is right, to see if you are seeking the true and living God. And that is how he is choosing his people. He's not just randomly choosing people. Okay. You're going to be saved. You, 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 you. Okay. I'll take you based on how you look. Because man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. That's also written in the Old Testament. So I don't want you to be misunderstood. And those who are regular followers of Learning Bible Truth Ministries, can't nobody deceive you because you are getting the scriptures raw, rightly divided. That's why this ministry is entitled Learning Bible Truth Ministries. It's all about you learning the truth of these scriptures. Now, verse 40, we're still in Acts chapter two, verse 40 says, and with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. And finally, verse 41 says, so those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3000 souls because they heard the gospel. And remember Romans 8, 27, for he who searches the hearts knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit interferes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. The spirit of God searches the hearts of those who hear the gospel. Those who are non-believers right now listening to this message. Trust me, the spirit of God is searching your heart right now. And to see if you are a true, let's say, not true, but if you are sincerely seeking him, if God knows your heart is right, he will put that seal there and you will automatically begin to believe on his son, Jesus, and receive these words. I submit to you today, God is still adding people to the church and calling people to Christ today. Now, through his preachers who are called and who he is sending, Anybody that is coming to you with a different gospel is not coming from God. Oh no, because God is in a battle with Satan on this earth. Let me not say God is because we have, we already have the victory in Christ, but God's ministers are in a battle with false teachers. False teachers appear to have the edge. I mean, because broad is the way that leads to destruction and narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. A lot of people, because of their flesh, they are trying to fulfill the needs of their flesh. They are trying to understand things with a carnal mind. You can't understand the scriptures with a carnal mind, meaning your natural mind. You can only stand, uh, understand these scriptures spiritually. And you will go with whomever sounds like they're making sense to you. So I'm telling you, millions of people have already accepted Christ as Lord and Savior and millions more will be saved by our continuous preaching of the gospel. So the notion that only 140,000 people will be saved is false. And those of you who follow that religion, who teach that, if you are listening right now, it's false. I gave you scripture to disprove that teaching. I do not take issue with people. My battle is with the devil. Uh-huh, that's who our battle is with. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We, our battle is with principalities, the rulers of darkness, not with people. Now, people have been deceived, but what I am battling is false teaching. So um, let me say this again. The notion that only 140,000 people will be saved is false. And those who listen to Learning Bible Truth Ministries on a regular basis, you hear the truth. And honey, you can go to them with these scriptures and I guarantee you they will flee because the devil can't take the truth. Now let's move on to how the just shall live by faith. Go to Romans 12. Romans 12 verses 1 and 2 I'll be reading and this is still the ESV. I appeal to you therefore brothers, this is the Apostle Paul talking, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship. And verse 2 says... Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, the Amplified Version of Romans twelve one and 2 says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies dedicating all of yourselves set apart as a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God, which is your rational, logical, intelligent act of worship. And verse two says, and do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively changed As you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes so that you may prove for yourselves what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plan and purpose for you. Now, how do we renew our minds? We renew our minds by replacing what we used to believe in our minds with the word of God. Now remove all worldly distractions, meditate on scriptures, the scriptures that I share with you, meditate on those scriptures, apply the word of God to your life by being a doer of the word, not just a hearer of the word. You can cast out every high thing and every imagination that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Go to second Corinthians chapter 10 verse five. I will read, uh, 10 verse five in the new living translation and in the new King James version. Okay. I am reading beginning at hmm, verse five, second Corinthians 10. It says, we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. King James version says of second Corinthians ten five, it says, casting down arguments. Don't argue with anybody over the word of God and every high thing, every proud thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now, anything you hear that is contrary to what is written in God's Holy Bible as it relates to Jesus and as it relates to the almighty God, we ought to cast those thoughts out of our minds. Hold on to God's unchanging word. I know y'all have heard, especially if you grew up Baptist, we are holding on to God's unchanging hands. But no, I tell you, you need to hold on to God's unchanging word. Believe what the word says. But believe it by faith. Now help yourself by not trusting your flesh, saints, to hang out with non-believers thinking that you won't be influenced by them. I'm a living witness. Now if your faith ain't strong like mine, and I am not the only one in the body of Christ with strong faith because I done been there, done that. But if your faith ain't strong, you please don't put yourself in that position. 2 Corinthians 6, uh, 17 and 18 tells us this. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. And verse 18, I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Come out from among nonbelievers who are practicing sin. They are practicing iniquity. They are practicing lawlessness. The Bible says for us to come out from among them. Now, look, now we are in the section where I am showing you how the just shall live by faith. It's going to be hard, but one of the things you have to do, you don't have to stop being friends with them, but you can love them from a distance. You can talk to them on the phone, but you don't have to do what they do. Everybody, every believer have some unsaved, non-believing friends. Uh-huh. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Now let's read 2 Corinthians um chapter one, I'll be reading verses 18 through 24. This is the new King James beginning at verse 18. But as God is faithful, our word to you was not yes and no. For the son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, Savannah, and Timothy was not yes and no, but in him was yes. And verse 20 says, for all the promises of God in him are yes. All the promises of God in Jesus are yes. Everything that God has promised to us is a yes. It is not no. Every promise. See, we have to live this by faith. Um, And in him, amen to the glory of God through us. That's the latter part of verse 20. Now, finally, verse 21 says, now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God. Verse 22 says, who also has sealed us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Verse 23 and 24 says, moreover, I call God as a witness against my soul that to spare you, I came no more to Corinth, not that we have dominion over your faith, but are fellow workers for for your joy for by faith you stand. That's the latter part of verse 24. For by faith you stand. Remember the just shall live by faith. And the apostles who wrote these epistles and letters are constantly telling us that we shall live by faith on on God's promises. The promise of the return of Christ, we got to stand on that by faith. Okay. We have to walk holy by faith. For by faith we live. Verse 22 says that God sealed our hearts with the Holy Spirit as a guarantee that we are saved. But we can also grieve the Holy Spirit by sinning and, and mistreating others. Go to Ephesians. I wasn't going to read this, but let's go to Ephesians chapter 4 and I'll be reading verses 30 through 32. We must stand on this by faith. And this is the New Living Translation. It says and do not bring sorrow to, or or grief to the Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Verse 31 says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior and finally verse 32 says instead be kind to each other tender hearted forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you now in the midst of everything we go through go through we must stand in holiness by treating people good even if they treat us bad oh yes oh yes Not because of them and not for them, but because of God. If people say bad things about you, don't say bad things about them because you don't want to become like them. Don't be consumed by evil. Now, if people hate you, love them anyway. In this world controlled by evil, unbelievers will never understand how you can love people who despitefully use you. Instead, they want you to seek revenge on people who mistreat you and talk bad about you. But the word of God is clear in Matthew five verses 44 through 46. And this is the new King James. It says, but I say to you, love your enemies. This is Jesus talking, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Now, verses 45 and 46 says that you may be sons of your father in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? Now tax collectors were considered to be evil and hateful people in the biblical days. And I'm not so sure that, that they are not those today. Oh yes. Oh yes. They, they only cater to the rich today. This is why Jesus used them as examples because they were evil, hateful robbers, greedy people back in the day. And verse 47 says this. And if you greet your brethren only, what, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore you shall be perfect just as your father in heaven Is perfect. Now, Jesus is saying you are supposed to love and do good towards people who love and treat you well. But even evil people do that. Evil people love and treat their loved ones well. We must be different than them. We have to walk in love towards everyone, no matter who they are. That is what sets us apart from the evil one. Now, if we commit to walking in the fruit of the Spirit, we can walk in love and treat everyone with respect, compassion, and dignity. Go to Galatians 5. I'll be reading verses 16 through 24. Y'all see that this episode is, is probably going to last to an hour because we are already uh, 50 minutes in. But I want to get these scriptures in. Galatians 5, 16 through 20, 24, the New King James Version says... I say, then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh for the flesh lusts against the spirit. That's your born again, recreated spirit. It doesn't lust against the Holy spirit. It lusts against your born again, recreated spirit, because you are born again by your spirit, not by your flesh, which is why you are still getting old. If you accepted Christ today and you are born again and you have a pimple on your nose and you are born again in uh, the spirit, the seal of the Holy Spirit is placed in your heart, you still have that pimple on your nose. So your flesh is not changing. Okay. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. It's a constant battle. Verse 18 says, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law, meaning you are not under condemnation. Verse 19 says, now the works of the flesh, it just in case you didn't know, the Bible is telling us what the works of the flesh are. They are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, meaning idol worship, worshiping other gods or worshiping things, worshiping people, sorcery, getting your, your palms red, hatred contentions, always arguing with people, jealousies, being jealous of people, outbursts of wrath. Oh, no, you got the right one, honey, because I don't mind. I'll go off on you. Uh Uh-huh. And you can't claim to be a Christian and walk like that and, and have an outburst is coming easy for you. Selfish ambitions, you know, putting your ambitions above everyone else's, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, murderers, drunkenness. Um, we on verse 21, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, meaning all the ones I just read, they are not inclusive. They are just some because Paul says, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I want to explain the difference between practice and stumbling and missing the mark every now and then practice are those who live in iniquity. They go to bed. They don't have no communication with God. They ain't praying before they go to bed. They ain't praying when they wake up. They're not praying during the day. Their mind is set on doing evil. Their mind is set on mistreating people, backstabbing people, lying on people, trying to get people in trouble. That's what their minds are set on. Now, those who stumble may be in the heat of a moment. They fall weak in flesh and may stumble. But remember, first John, if you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's what this is talking about. Okay. now, when Paul says those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, he's talking about those who are not born again because there were a mixture of unbelievers with the believers back then when he wrote this letter and he was singling them out. He was pointing them out. I'm telling you, those who practice this stuff, they ain't even trying to repent. They're not even trying to allow God to cleanse them. He said, you're not even going to inherit the kingdom of God. So that's what this is talking about. Verse 22 says, but the fruit of the spirit. Now he's telling us how we should walk. He's telling us how you can identify your flesh from your, no, your spirit, from your flesh. He's saying, but the fruit of the spirit is love. It's joy. It's peace. It's long suffering. It's kindness. It's goodness. It's faithfulness. Verse 23, it's gentleness. It's self-control. You're not going to have no outburst, although you want to, but you self-control against such. There is no condemnation. There is no law against these things. There is no law against the fruit of the spirit. And finally, let me read, um, just go ahead on and read through verse 24, 25, and 26. 24 says, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Now, the just shall live by faith. We ought to live by God's word, saints, because that's what faith is. Y'all listen to the previous episodes, how faith comes and what faith is. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Okay, you are hearing God's word now. You have to live by faith. You have to live by what you just heard. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. This is the hardest part for believers, living holy, treating people well who despite you not hanging out with friends who are drunk, fornicators, not challenging or arguing with people who tell lies on you. We have to allow God to be our avenger. A lot of the times it's tough. We want to avenge ourselves, but God says in Romans 12 verses 19 through 21, this is the new King James. It says, beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath for it is written. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. And let me tell you something. I would rather fall under the hands of man than fall under the hands of God. God says, you hold back that anger and don't retaliate. I'll do it for you. I'll get them. So you hold back. And Confucius, I I, got to quote this because Confucius, I mean, he's not in the Bible, but he in his writing says, When setting out on the path of revenge, dig two graves. And that's true. So, honey, you don't need to be setting out on the path of revenge after somebody who's lied on you or, or trying to hurt you. No, you let God get them. Because let me tell you, when you set out on the path of revenge, God is not protecting you. You are outside of that protection, which is why that quote is true. When setting out on the path of revenge, dig two graves. Um, verse 20 says, therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If, if he is thirsty, give him something to drink for in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Now, verse 20, the new living says, instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink in doing this. You will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. See, when you treat those nice who mistreat you, eventually they'll start feeling bad about their behavior towards you. So that is what this is talking about. uh, Verse 20. Um, Verse 21 says, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. That's the new living. Now, verse 21 in the New King James, which is uh, the scriptures we started off with in Romans 12, 19, 21 says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, I try my best to walk in love every day. I know it's hard. I'm not walking before you and talking before you like I am Miss Perfect because I am not. I pray and ask God for forgiveness every day. I repent every day. I know it's hard. I find when I am focusing on the situation or when I'm in the midst of non-believers, I am tempted to engage in unedifying conversations And tempted to focus on unedifying things. Okay. Now, if you hang in the presence of of scopers, you will be influenced to be just like them. If you yield to your flesh, you are not walking by faith. Separate yourself from them, saints. I do. Love your unbelieving family and friends from a distance. Now, I wasn't always like this. Before God gave me the permission to teach his word, I had to grow in faith. I had to get to where I am today. I had to learn what faith is and what love is. Now, 1 Corinthians 13, um, verses 4 and 8, New King James says this, love suffers long and is kind. So if you don't know how to walk in love, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 and 8 is telling you what love is so you can walk in it. Walking in love is part of the fruit of the spirit. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. Love is not proud. Love is not going to parade itself up and down social media. Hey, look at me taking selfies every day, looking like Fright Night, opening up the doors for the evil spirits. Because you claiming Jesus now, you claiming to be a Christian, to talk about you and put those evil words out there in the universe. Have, making you feel bad at times. You don't feel validated unless you are posting your picture and your new outfit on social media. You're not walking in love. Because remember, love does not parade itself. And it is not puffed up, meaning it's not proud. No, it's not proud. Verse 5 says, love does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. You put people before you. You don't just get buy food for yourself buy food for the family buy food for your co-workers always in line at lunch i will pay for the person behind me i will pay for their lunch or the person in front of me i'll pay for their lunch and the cashier who is used to me would always say oh she does that on a regular basis don't you know don't mind her i say hey i'm blessing you just pay it forward that's all love does not behave rudely this is verse five of uh first Corinthians 13 does not seek its own, is not provoked. It thinks no evil. You never think about a, a vengeance, something somebody said about you. It thinks on good things. That's what we have to do. Think on things that are of good report. Read Philippians four eight. Think on things that are of good report. That's how you prevent yourself from thinking evil. Because I'm not saying that evil is not going to cross your mind. But you have to cast down everything, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. We have to cast those thoughts out. We have to do it. Verse six says, love does not rejoice in iniquity. It doesn't rejoice in sin. Somebody committing sin, you shouldn't rejoice in that. But rejoices in the truth. The truth is Jesus. Verse seven and eight says, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things all things love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. This is futuristic because these things still are happening today. They have not stopped. He's telling you in the future, they are going to stop, but love is never going to stop. Okay. So let me read verse eight again. Love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. Because once we are with Christ, once he returns to get his church, we don't need those things anymore. Knowledge. We don't need the knowledge when Christ returns. We don't need to speak in tongues when Christ returns, because we will be with him. See, now we need all those things to help us walk in faith. The just shall live by faith. I had to learn what love is, saints. I learned that receiving love in my heart made it easier for me to love my enemies without the love of Christ. Because Romans 5, 5 says that the love of God is shared abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit. The love of God has to be in your heart so that it can be easier for you to love your enemies. Right now, it's easy for me to do it. I don't struggle with that. And I have a lot of enemies just for being holy. The only way I can love my enemies is to love them by walking in faith. Walking in the fruit of the spirit. I'm not sharing anything with you that I do not abide by. I walk in the fruit of the spirit. Walking in obedience not only helps me to be a doer of God's word, but it brings me peace. It helps me. It, shall I say, it helps with my healing. We are in a spiritual warfare, saints. We are in a battle and that means we have to fight. Next week. Our final episode is entitled Fight the Good Fight of Faith. Next week, we will learn how to fight the good fight of faith and what battle we are in. Yes, we must learn to fight. So saints, I hope you tune in next week and we are going to close this episode with a prayer. Every head bowed, all eyes closed, turn off everything around you so that you can just focus on these words. Heavenly Father, we come to you in faith because we believe that your word will never return to you void. It will accomplish that which you have sent it forth to do. We believe that those who hear this message will understand what it means to be justified in Christ and receive him in their hearts. This message would help them continue to grow in faith, remove all condemnation from anyone listening as they repent of their sins. Remind them that there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Help them remember the fruit of the spirit and remind us Lord to cast down every negative word that takes up residence in our thoughts. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Saints until next time, live Christ, love people, take up your cross. And before I say peace out, For those of you who are listening for the first time, go back and listen to the previous three episodes before we embark on episode five, the final episode next week, and um, how to fight the good fight of faith. So saints, peace out. I hope you were enlightened by this message. If you have any questions or comments about this episode, please send your comments or questions to talkingbibletruth.cd@gmail.com. at gmail.com. And if you would like to support this podcast financially, because you were blessed, you can donate from the platform you are listening on. Anchor, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Audible, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Radio Public, and more and contribute an amount of your choice. Or you can send your seed to my cash app, dollar sign Dr. Kamala D. That's dollar sign capital D, lowercase R, capital C, lowercase A-M-A-L-E, capital D. Anything you choose to send will be greatly appreciated. Now until next time, saints, remember that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We as believers walk by faith, not by sight. I am your host, Dr. Kamala D., rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope to see you next time.